Good morning, City Life Church, City Lifers, friends, family, streamers, YouTubers. Uh, the one, interestingly enough, our website is like routinely hit up by somebody in North Korea, and I thought that that was impossible. So, hello to you too. Uh, welcome to church. One more week, we get to talk about Jesus, our Lord, and just worship Him together. This week, we're going to also be in our beta service, and so. For all of you online who are just not there, we completely still understand and want to have church with you. And so we're here as well. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. We are in our mystery series still. And today I want to start off by talking about something that just really irritates me in movies. It just crawls under my skin all the time. And it bothers me way more than it actually should. But I, one thing that bothers me in movies is when you're just like watching this like really classic uh, good versus evil, right? Heroes and villains, good guys and bad guys type of movie. And there's always this time, or usually there's this time where our hero, the good guy, finally meets the enemy, finally catches their first glimpse, or maybe they knew them already, but sees them at the scale or at the size or at the force that they are now at this point. And usually two things happen. One is that they are afraid. They become afraid of their enemy. They're underprepared or they're under-resourced or under-trained. There's some problem. And I, I mean, I understand a movie won't be good unless there's struggle, right? But they realize that, the, oh my goodness, okay, this is, uh, I was not ready for this. And they become afraid. And the second thing is that there's like this overwhelming shock that comes over them. And it's just like, oh my goodness, I underestimated while I was winning. I took this vacation. I went to Cabo. I had some drinks. I stopped training. I stopped recruiting. And there's this, just this shock like, oh my goodness, like evil. There's just so much more evil than I thought. Or like, man, I've been asleep on the job. What, what and how did it get to this point? And there's this like a fear, afraid, right? And shock. <laughs> If you give me a permission to nerd out a second here, Star Wars. I, I see this in Star Wars. I like went at the, the the prequels, at the height of the Jedi Order, at the height of the, what the Jedi could do. Uh, some of the most powerful Jedi ever to exist were were around when they fell, when the Jedi Order fell, and to just one man, Senator Palpatine, who had turned it up to be Darth Sidious, and just this one man took down this whole order, this whole system, this whole way of life. One man infiltrated the, the tiniest of cracks and crumbled it all down and, order, and gave Order 66 where almost all the Jedi were killed. And it's just like, wow, imagine the hubris, the, the red tape, the bureaucracy that brought this whole good system down. And it's just incredible. And if you nerd out a little bit more, if you look about Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, when Sauron wasn't here yet, and yet the world was just completely at disarray. The elves were leaving. The dwarfs no one had seen in decades. And men were just fighting and just ununited in any way. And then even one of the bad guys, this is when one of the bad guys saw Grima Wormtongue, when he saw the new Orakai army at Sauron's the backyard, he just... He cried out of fear of looking at how vast and how strong these new orcs were. 
what he had been a part of creating and he cried not out of a good thing but out of genuine fear of the evil the ferocity that he saw in front of him and i'm just like i watch these movies and i sit there and i'm like um yeah well, duh what do you think was gonna happen good guys like what did you think was gonna happen heroes your sworn enemies who were defeated you think they're just gonna lie there all the time like no you you get too comfortable or you get too successful and you forget and you stop recruiting and you stop training and this just like bothers me so much because I also see this in the life of the church. I see how this same thing plays out in the life of the church of believers everywhere. I see that how we forget about the fight that we're in. I see how some people are led to Christ and never told about this fight. I see how we're just like afraid at times, afraid to deal with the realities or accepting it or, or saying, Lord, I, I've, I'm found in this struggle, this spiritual struggle. I don't know what to do. I am not trained. I don't know what, where to go. And I just see the church or the life of believers just be um, powerless or fear-driven and afraid of what to do. And so that's what we are going to talk about today because that's where Ephesians goes. To talk to the life of this new church, of the new society, right? This new humanity. To say that we belong to the victorious Christ. That there's nothing for us to be afraid of. And so in our Ephesians series, up until this point, we have first dealt with new life. The second you say yes to Christ, you become this new creature. Your spirit is saved through and through and your soul for the rest of your life gets worked on to bring healing into it, to become whole and to become what Christ always, what God always meant it to be. And then from new life, because I am new, because you are new, all of us are new in the church. We are put into God's family, his body, the church, and not just any denomination, not just city life. No, but the church this new humanity that God is recreating this world one heart at a time, ushering his kingdom one heart at a time. And because we are all new, because we are part of God's family, because we are adopted, grafted into this, we have Christ's righteousness. We're given this new way of living, our new measures, which is this new revolutionary and often countercultural way of living that just changes everything and is so counterintuitive to almost everything about what it means to be human in, in all of the best ways. And then we started talking, if, I mean, if I'm new, if I'm in this society, if I have these new measures to live by, then all of my relationships become different. They're just different. They're dealt with different. I'm in them differently. And then uh, seemingly almost out of nowhere, Paul takes this turn. He starts talking about the struggle, this fight, this spiritual reality. And so today, the main point of today is to realize, is to step aside and realize that we are in a fight, that there is a fight to be had. That we are in this fight that we cannot opt out of. That this is a part of the biblical worldview, and I can't talk my way out of it. I don't like it. If this were not in the Bible, then I would be happy and I would be pleased. But unfortunately, it's not. I don't like to think about this struggle. I don't like to think about my enemy. I don't like to think about sadness and pain. But if I want to be 
a Christian rooted and grounded in love and in the biblical worldview, then I have to realize a couple of things. That scripture tells me that I have this enemy. That scripture tells me that I belong to the Lord, the God, the, the God of the armies, the Lord of hosts, which we talked about months ago, that he is the commander of angel armies and that we are in conflict and that belonging to Christ means that I stand in complete opposition to the kingdom of darkness and Satan. And also that we don't have to be these Christians like in these movies, these good and bad movies. Just unaware of our enemy, unaware of what, of what they do, unaware of what they want, afraid or scaring or, un, or divided, fighting against each other, fighting against the wrong things. Today, it's about realizing that we are victorious in Christ and learn how to stand for him. And so we're going to be talking about a couple of things. First, we're going to be talking about our stance and our stand And then we're going to talk about our enemy. And then we're going to introduce the armor of God where we're going to spend time with next week. Uh, This is another two-part sermon. These two couldn't be divorced. And so if you're a one-sermon purist, I'm sorry, we'll go back to one-part sermons very soon. But for now, we're talking about how we need to spend this week and next week realizing that we live our lives in this conflict, but we are aligned with the victorious Christ. And so let me pray so we go into this together, pray so that God speaks to all of us through, all, through this, and yeah, that God would just reign and we would stand victorious with Christ every day, every season of our lives. And so pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for everyone here, Lord. I thank you for this church, and I thank you that we uh, belong to you, that we are aligned to you, that that we can say that we belong to the victorious Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who defeated the enemy on the cross. Lord, teach us about what your victory meant, what it means to us in this day against our enemy and what's going on here and how to stand up against this foe that is just so uh, scary, powerful. We love you and we trust you and we'll go into this fight if, if you teach us how to, Lord. So do, us, do to us what you will today and teach us and grow us up, make us strong. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we are reading out of Ephesians, back in our Ephesians series. And it is wonderful. We are almost at the end just a couple more weeks and we will finish this beautifully deep, insightful book. And so let's start. We're going to be in uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. And God's word says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. I I, I love how Paul writes this. I love how Paul was inspired by the Spirit. It kind of makes no sense, but then it also, to me, makes so much sense about how we've been in our new relationships, right, for a few weeks now. We're talking about first wives and husbands and then children and parents. Last week we talked about slaves and masters. And then all of seemingly out of nowhere, he takes Paul takes this right turn here and he starts talking about Satan and fighting and spirits and authorities and powers. And it's just like, okay, Paul, like I get it. I understand this in different segments here. I, I get what you're saying, but where what are you doing here? And I've come to really appreciate this because I think it's such a real picture of life, of how at one moment we are at highs, like where we are fighting with the, Lord, with the Lord, we are on fire for Him, we are accomplishing things that we never thought were, would be possible, we are just having seasons of success, right, Se- season after season of not having any major problems, and then all of a sudden something happens or we enter into a season of struggle and we're just like one thing after the other. And we're like, Lord, I can't even get my feet under me. I feel like I'm being attacked all the time. What's going on? Like, what's different? Am I not believing in you more uh, enough? Am I not doing this enough? Am I... And all of this to contribute like, to the fact that we live in this spiritual struggle and that life happens quickly, Right? And I like how Paul even, like even in the way he's writing this, it just is like a really abrupt and all of a sudden we're talking about this fight and it just mirrors life really well. And so to, to make sense of this, we're going to first be talking about our stance and our stand. Let's start by rereading the first two verses here, 10 and 11. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The first place that I feel led to start today is a place I wish I didn't have to start, but out of love for us and out of just how I see the church operating often, we just have to address our stance, right? That unfortunately, this is part of the biblical worldview. Unfortunately for us, because we wish it were not the case. I wish that I didn't have to preach about this struggle, about this fight. I wish that we didn't have an enemy out there who just hates everything about our God and who we are and who wants to drag us down with. I really wish that also there wasn't this part of our faith where people today, because of the modern sensibilities, would like look at us or think, oh, they're weird or, oh, that's so archaic. That's so like, that's so ancient world. We've evolved. We've gotten past that. I don't want to have this area of my faith where I'm subject to get mocked or to get looked at funny or even just to think, oh, they're going to think of me differently now. Now I'm going to be that crazy Christian. I'm going to be that crazy guy over there who, shoot, everyone wants to avoid because he's kind of a little kooky. He believes in spirits and all of this stuff. 
And I wish, part of me wishes that this was not part of our worldview, but to, to affirm our stance is that we believe that scripture presents this story about how there's more to life than just the physical, that there's more to life than just what we can see and experience, but that there's this whole spiritual realm with two kingdoms that are in opposition to one another. That the biblical worldview, that the level of mental, theological, and academic gymnastic that has to be played with is to explain this all away. It's like, oh no, there weren't actually demons in Jesus' story. Oh, they, I mean, there were, Satan's not a thing. He's just an idea, right? He's just this way of life that is just like rebellion. It's like, no. But of us as being these modern Christians living today, that we have to say, Scripture, you speak to me and you teach me how to look at life. And so our stance as Bible-believing Christians is that there are two kingdoms out here. That in the, the invisible spiritual realm that is all around us, that there's this conflict between the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, the place where he reigns and brings freedom and mercy and peace, and that the and at the other end that there is this kingdom, Satan's kingdom, kingdom of darkness, that wants nothing but to kill us and to steal from us and to destroy, that just loves chaos and destruction and bondage. And really quick and really importantly, we have to know that these kingdoms are not equally matched. They're not on the same playing level of playing field. Christ has already won on the cross. Satan's end was sealed at the cross. And my value, my worth, my security also sealed at the cross with Christ. And so it's not a matter of these two kingdoms, who's going to win, who's going to win. No, but that there's these two kingdoms that want completely contra- contradictory things that I belong to the kingdom of God that wants to bring freedom, that wants to reunite people with their Lord. And and at the other end, that there's this kingdom ruled by Satan, ordered by Satan that isn't just, that is organized and has a strategy and has a plan that wants to keep us away and bring us death and bring us down. And I get the temptation. I really do. I get the temptation to not want to believe in this. So many Christians that I've ever that I've met is like I don't I just don't want to believe in this. If I like close my ears, if I ostrich my head into a hole on the ground and pretend like Satan isn't real or that the Bible doesn't talk about this or that I haven't had spiritual experiences myself, if I just ignore them, bury my head in the sand, then he might not come for me. If I'm just a quiet Christian, then he might not bother me. But that is not a luxury that we have. Every time that I minister to someone. Every time when I'm truly ministering to someone in deep pain, where I sit with someone and I hear rejection, pain, suffering, humiliation, abuse, and sadness, every time I sit with somebody, I'm looking at someone and I'm saying, we have such a cowardly enemy. We have this enemy who will stop at nothing to steal and to hurt That every time I hear someone's story, I never get used to someone saying, I've never told this to someone before, or this was the worst day of my life, or this was the most painful thing that ever happened to me. Every time I'm reminded that there is this enemy out there who so lusts over destruction, who so lusts over keeping us away from our Lord, 
And it causes me to say in Scripture, I believe in what you have to say, that there's this enemy out there. And so my stance is that I believe in the picture of what Scripture tells me because I see this Savior of mine who was perfectly loving, so humble and meek. And yet I see this lamb also be a lion. I also see everywhere that he went, he fought with kindness and love and freedom. And he told every demon that he encountered to leave and to go somewhere And every time those spirits listen to him, I can't explain that away. I can't be like, oh, well, that spirit just is this, is like a greed. No, I can't do that because God over and over again told these spirits where to go. He healed people at times by saying, demon, get away from this person. He also taught about these kingdoms. And so either he's a lunatic or he's right. That either he's a liar or he's right. And he taught this. And if I, I can't accept a worldview where I over-spiritualize the spirits away from this, which is funny, right? Because that's what we do when we want to say this isn't true. Is that we over-spiritualize something that is purely spirit and make it completely natural. And I, we cannot do that and say that I read this scripture and look at the life of dead Jesus lived. And so because I can't do that, our stand becomes so important. Paul here, two things that he tells us to do in this chapter. He he introduces the armor of God to do two things. This is the armor's mission statement. First is so that for us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, knowing that I am not strong enough, I am not powerful enough. We'll talk about that in one second. But that for me to rely on His might Putting on the armor is me saying, Lord, I need you to be the strong one here. And then secondly, to put on the whole armor of God, not missing a single piece, but the whole armor of God so that I can stand against the schemes of the enemy, so that I can stand against the attacks that I will face, so that I don't have to bury my face in the sand pretending like "Mm, no one's here, no one's getting to me. No, but that I can stand, Play some defense and play some offense against Satan whenever he comes in his, empire, in his kingdom. That I don't have to be like one, a Christian like the good guys in the movie who are just in la-la land while their enemy is building a defense, so much strength that I will, not, I will just ignore and be like, no, I don't, I don't believe it's real. I don't believe it's real. No, we don't have to be those types of Christians. That I stand with the victorious Christ, that I'm reigning with him even right now, not to mean that I won't ever suffer, because we're actually, as Christians, we're promised to suffer in this world. But for me to be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy, that's what the armor is all about. And so let's first, before we even get to the armor, let's talk a little bit more about our enemy. It is so important in a struggle to know who it is that you're fighting for, fighting for and fighting against. Because we don't want to waste time. We don't want to waste effort. We don't want to be fighting the wrong place. And so God's words here, verses 11 and 12 say this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So insightful. So important for us to get this. First, that we are never in conflict, true conflict. We are never truly fighting against other people. We're not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Let's make, that, let's make that relevant in 2021, right? So my conflict is never with House Democrats or House Republicans. It's never with Senate Republicans or Senate Democrats. 
My struggle is foundationally never with Trump supporters or Biden supporters. It's also, my, I do not wrestle against Israelis and I don't wrestle against Palestinians. I don't wrestle against other people of color and I don't wrestle against white people. But that my conflict is, is always rooted in the spiritual world, in the spirit, in the kingdom of darkness and Satan himself. I don't want to li- waste my life fighting people because people, we all, I know that Christ's prayer on the cross, they don't know what they're doing, was for me, is for me often in my life. But that my enemy, five times in the New Testament, Satan and his kingdom and his empire and his, his little soldiers are called the rulers or the princes of this world, five times in the New Testament. And so let's talk about Satan, let's talk about our enemies so that we can understand that we don't have to be consumed by him, but that we need to know who we're up against. And so he, he has two names, right? The scripture calls him by two names, the first one being Satan, which is his Hebrew name, which isn't really even his name, but it's more of his title. And it, Satan, Satan means adversary. He was just utterly opposed to our God. That even from when he was a serpent in Genesis, that he was just utterly opposed to God in everything that he did and all of his desire was just to oppose God. He's our adversary, completely against who we are and who God is. And then his Greek name, the devil, usually he's called the devil in the Greek, and that means slander, that he's this, this liar, this twister of truth, that he only cares about getting what he wants. He lusts over his own desire, his own will. And so in this text and in the description of, that we have in the New Testament, we see three things about, this, about Satan, about our enemy, about this, per, about this spirit who actually lives and reigns in his own right. The first thing is that he is powerful. Satan is powerful. He is so much stronger than I will ever be. Satan has been around for a long time. He has seen all of human history He has been around for it all. He knows what he's doing. He is so stronger than me. I, myself, Pedro, I cannot stand in his presence without being deeply afraid. I cannot stand in his presence without turning into a coward. I cannot stand in his presence of evil, of of cold, without fearing for my life and those that I love. I can't stand in his presence and exert my will on him. I will bend my back to him every time. And I hope that we realize one of the most foundational things that we've learned in Ephesians. Remember in the beginning where we talked almost ad nauseum about being in Christ. Paul had this idea of being in Christ. It seemed like he said it every other sentence at some points. In Christ, be in Christ be in Christ, that our whole being is in Christ. And the reason for that is because even though I cannot stand up to Satan myself, but I can when I am in Christ. When Christ is my armor, when he is my shield, when he is my fighter, when I have his righteousness, then what can the condemner condemn about me? That if I am in Christ, I fear no one. I fear no man, I fear no woman, I feel no demon, I feel no Satan, because my victory and my worth were sealed on the cross. Amen.
The second thing we learn about him is that he is totally wicked, totally depraved, totally after his own ambition. That Satan doesn't fight by any rules, that he has no code of conduct, he has no concerns, he has no bar that is too low for him. He has no civility. John Stott writes about how he has no Geneva Convention to make his fighting humane. He cares nothing about that, that he has a mission statement to kill, to steal, and destroy. And so he's going to do it dragging and screaming all the way through. A couple years ago, I went to a museum and I found this picture and I took a picture of it because it spoke so deeply to me. And let's, let's see this picture up right now. We look in the corner about how there's death, right? There's that hanging person. Look at the darkness and the ominous birds and the landscape and the lack of color. And then we look at this strong man in front of us. He wraps us in thorns. He condemns us. He points us to the ground. And he just wants nothing for us other than stay right here. You have no mercy. You have no grace. There is no freedom for you. This is your place. This is your lot in life. Never want anything more because nothing will come. And this is the bondage. This is the slavery. This is the death of staying down here that Satan wants for every person that has ever lived. That this is what the kingdom of darkness offers. No life, no freedom, pure oppression. This picture speaks so much to me. This picture speaks so much to my experiences with what Satan offers. That he doesn't fight fair. That he will steal from kids, from adults. That he will take anything that he wants. He will intimidate us until our wills are broken. The third thing that we learn about him is that he is cunning, that he is so smart. Here it talks about his schemes, right? His plans, that he is so smart for me. You know why? Part of that is because, you know, Satan has been around. He has fooled my great, great, great grandfather. He's fooled my great, great, great grandfather, my great, great grandfather, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my father. He's fooled me and he's fooled my kids. And he will continue to do that because he is smart. He knows what he's doing. Paul, even in uh, 2 Corinthians, he writes about 2 Corinthians 11, 14, how he even disguises himself as an angel of light, right? Twisting the truth. He looks so beautiful at times. It's so seductive. It's so alluring that he knows that most of us, a lot of us, if he just shows up to us like Satan, we will reject him. We will be afraid and we will say no. And so another tactic is that he'll look so beautiful at times, so seductive, that he knows every button to press because he has been around the block a bit and he, has, he knows what humans like to hear. He knows that I am incomplete and that I am looking for something to feed myself all the wrong things. And I like this. Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, one of the most famous pastors in the last century, he writes this about where the church is in believing in Satan and what he's capable of. He wrote this, I am certain that one of the main causes of the ill state of the church today is the fact that the devil is being forgotten. All is attributed to us. We have all become so psychological in our attitude and thinking. We are ignorant to this great objective fact 
the being, the existence of the devil, the adversary, the accuser, and his fiery darts. I think that this is one of the things that scares me the most uh, talking about spiritual things is that we are either so paralyzed with fear or we just so want this to not be the case that we just avoid this at all costs and even forget about our enemy, forget that there's this one being who just loves to bring us down and to kill whatever he can get his hands on. And that he is so much bigger than me. He is so much smarter than me. He knows what to do to get at me. And yet I belong to, I have the opportunity to belong to the one who can bring me freedom, who can free me from Satan and from myself and all the ways that I've hurt myself. John Stott writes this when, when thinking about our enemy and how we relate to Christ. He writes this, Only the power of God can defend and deliver us from the might, the evil, and the craft of the devil. True, the principalities and darkness are strong, but the power of God is stronger. True, it is in those same heavenly places, in that same unseen world, that the principalities and powers are working. But they were defeated at the cross and are now under Christ's feet and ours. So the invisible world in which they attack us and we defend ourselves is the very world in which Christ reigns over them and we reign with him. Again, that we don't have to be like the good guys in the movie who just forget about their enemy, who just go on vacation all the time, forget about the struggle, and then when fight, when it's time to pick up arms again, that we're just too lazy or too fat or just out of shape, that we can't, that we don't know what to do. No, but that I belong to Christ and that His power is enough for me, that I can lean on Him like every other part of my faith to protect me. So I don't have to be afraid of this enemy who is real and who Scripture says is like a lion at times because I belong to the one who is the lion. That we don't have to spend a single moment, a single day of our lives consumed of fear out of, for our enemy or of our enemy because I belong to Christ. And so Christ here takes us and he starts telling us of how we are called to fight against him, to join the fight that is going on so, us, so that we can be liberated and liberate other people. Let's talk about our armor. Let's read verse 13 to the end here. We're just going to introduce it this week. All of next week is going to be about digesting this. But, let, but let's bring it up. Let's have it on our minds all week. Let's pray through this passage so that we can start to understand how to do this and what this really means. So starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to keep to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
One of the things that I love about our calling is that it just breaks the cycle that we as humans know too well. If I, every time we fight, every time we fight with another person, we tend to get to this place where we're fighting evil for evil, right? In wars or in conflict, in big conflict, also often internally, we're just fighting evil with evil. You do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. Think about, I, I see the pictures of what's happening. Thank God there's a ceasefire now, but what was happening in Israel this week? About seeing, I saw this picture of this Palestinian boy who lost his dad and his brother. And how the natural human response is that that boy, when he grows up to be a man, will take an Israeli father, an Israeli son. And then that Israeli son will take a Palestinian boy's father and another Palestinian boy's son. And the cycle will keep going. And we are not called to fight like savages. We're not called to lose this new humanity. And so God gives us this armor and weapons to fight back, to fight in peace in gentleness and mercy, but with power that changes things, that really pushes back the enemy and says, the gates of hell will not prevail against me. We will be charging in here and taking souls back to God, bringing freedom into people's lives, not being bloodthirsty, not being consumed by fear or aggression, but being filled with the Spirit so that we know how to bring freedom into our own being, over our own family, over our church, and over other people who do not know Christ yet. And uh, this week in staff meeting, Ryan brought up this great story that I just want to bring as like an introduction for us going into it next week. Ryan thought about uh, David when he fought Goliath. He talked about how all the Israel's armies were frightened, right? Even Saul, the king, the one charged to fight for Israel, who had the armies of the living God behind him, who was too afraid to fight. And David went up there and he had this audacity to say, no one challenges the armies of the living God with, with, and get away from it, that there's nothing for me to fear. He even says, you know what? God has delivered me from lions and bears with my bare hands. And so this Philistine, we got this. No one talks about God this way. And then as they're getting ready, Saul is putting his armor on David. And David's like, no, this is too much. I can't, this isn't made for me. And that's the picture with this, that this armor, it wasn't made for him. God made him to fight a different way. No armor needed, just the sling. And so this week, this week, pray and think, Lord, how have you prepared me to fight this? What are these tools? What are these, what is this armor that you've given me and called for me to fight with? Let's look at these six, these six pieces of armor next week. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes that are the gospel of peace, our shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and then prayer. For us to learn how to use these powerful tools to fight with honor and dignity and righteousness, bringing freedom to all the captives. Because every time I see Jesus living, I see him fighting this fight in total peace. And so let's conclude this a little bit so that we can think about it this week and get to... uh, resolution for us next week. So one of the things that I, I'm, I pray is a part of my ministry in this church and anywhere that I go is that I 
is that we are a people who realize that we uh, belong to the God of, of, who is part of this living armies, that he is the Lord of hosts, that there's nothing that stops him, that Christ is already victorious. Ephesians already told us that we reign with him, that Christ is on the throne already. So this isn't an issue of, are we going to win? This is an issue of, like, finally, he starts this finally, which means like, okay, from this point on, we are warriors. And so we have three main options, three ways to respond. The first way is to be completely unaware while we're being attacked. This is like the ostrich, like, oh, I just, I don't want to be aware of anything. Don't teach me anything about here. If, okay, I can believe in Jesus, but be really quiet about it and Satan won't notice me. And then maybe, maybe I'll get through this life without having an experience. That's option number one. Option number two is to be aware and afraid. It's just to be, okay, like I've already been taught, I can't unlearn this now, but man, I am so afraid. The second anyone mentions Satan, I just cringe. I'm just so afraid. I will bend my will whenever he comes near because I just, I cannot stand to him. He is so frightening. And even though he is, that that is a lesser option. Option number three is to be aware and to be strong in our stand. To say, Lord, I want to be this powerful believer, follower of you. Teach me how to stand up for myself, stand up for my family, for my church, for my faith. Let me stand in a way that I haven't been able to now so that the enemy doesn't win in my life and so that I can also bring other people out of captivity and into you. Church, this is so important for us to get. This is so a part of the abundant living that Christ promises us. And so let us be a people who are not afraid to be like, Lord, okay, this is in your Bible, so I believe it. Teach me how to be this gentle, loving, ferocious warrior for you in all of the right ways. And that we would be a church in Jersey City who knows how to stand for the Lord and to bring good things into our, to our neighbors. And so next week, we're going to be picking this up. We're going to be looking at the armor that God gives us and how in the world we're supposed to use them. And so until then, let me pray for us. Pray protection and covering. Pray that we would know God's victory this week like never before, that we would be aligned. We would be certain that we are aligned with the one who on the cross in all the backward ways to us won ultimate victory. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for how you bless us, for how you say that if we are in you, then we are so strong and so taken care of that you even give us armor to be able to push back the enemy, to say, not here, not in my life. We know we'll suffer. We know we'll lose. But Lord, for you to give us tools to say, Satan, not today, or Satan, not over this, or I belong to Christ, the living Messiah. And so teach us how to do that, how to live powerfully for you, taking ground for you and your kingdom everywhere that we go and in every season, in good and in struggle. Lord, we love you. We love that we belong to you. Help us to know what that looks like this week. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So today we do not have any prompt questions for us today, but be meditating. Read this passage multiple times. Read it once a day, even if you can. Read it more than that. Don't stop at once a day, but read it. Put this into your heart. 
Let God massage the truth that he is victorious, that Satan, even though he's so much greater than you and I, he is nothing compared to God. And so we have nothing to fear because we believe we belong to the most powerful one. Next week, we're going to be uh, online again. We love you all. We'll see you next time. See you in our, in our MCs, and we'll talk to, again soon. Love you.